All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us today tim's here on vacation just diligent dedicated to the show i'm always in traverse city i don't go anywhere usually so thank you for joining us here sorry we missed monday got away from me got away from me again but we're gonna make up for it we're gonna go back to back tuesday wednesday there's lots to talk about but before we get to the fun hockey stuff everybody wants to know tim how was your vacation your retreat with your dog levi you needed to get out of your stress-filled life and you escaped to the cabin in the woods how's it going it's good i'm in beautiful maggie valley north carolina it's out way in the western part of the state in the mountains very very beautiful very lush green um it's nice it's quiet I'm standing at this little A-frame, like I said. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice. It's been, been a good couple of days. I head home tomorrow morning early. It's like a three-hour drive back to Charlotte, and I'm going to do it first thing so I can work at 9 tomorrow. So it'll be a, up and at him in the morning, but it'll be one nice for one more day. What's your average wake-up time? I've been waking up early, like the last month, like before 6 every day, no alarm, ready to go. I don't know where that's coming from. Usually my alarm set for 6.30. And what time do you go to bed? Uh, I try to shoot for 1030. Okay. So you're still putting in seven hours of sleep. Yeah. What about you? I'm usually the same. I'm 545. And then I usually go to bed. Like last night, I had to go out to Northport. So I'm taking advantage of the dumpster that we have out there. And I just like brought a load of junk from my house that I'm living at now that I'm just like, you know, when you get stuff and you're like, yeah, I'll get around to it, like a barbecue that needs to be fixed up or a kid's place set or I had like lawn furniture or this and that and the other. So I just loaded up my trailer and just purged. So I was out there until like 11 p.m. doing that stuff. But it's getting there. The floors got delivered, Tim. They have to acclimate to the space. So they're all in big piles around the, the house. We went with a two and a half inch white oak unfinished so it's gonna be finished on site it's gonna be beautiful just beautiful everything paid for yeah that's By how it insurance works. the insurance i mean well no you know there's always some difference where you can never just put the same stuff back you gotta you, you gotta improve it just a little bit and i went through this with my last house that i flooded i i like to flood houses every five years my last house that i flooded 
I ended up just blowing the budget out of the water. Like just, it was, we spent so much more money than we got from insurance, but what are you going to do? It is what it is. Yeah. We want to, you know, fix this while we have the opportunity, you know, let's just do all the windows, which we already planned on doing. Let's fix the bathroom while it's already ripped up. Let's do, you know, additional stuff. Yes, it costs a little more, but we're saving because we're saving with the labor and the demo. It's already kind of rolled into it. Right, Tim? You know what I mean? Have you ever renovated your house, Tim? No, no. Sounds fun, though. Love to. Would you ever renovate a rental? No. Just for fun? No? Okay. No. Okay. Relax. Don't get so upset. Are you still upset about the Bruins? <laughs> no, I'm back. I'm back. Did you do a little soul searching this, this week and weekend to kind of... <laughs> Just get rid of all that anger that you were holding. I'm just journaling every day and reading uh, Thoreau and Emerson. And you know what? The Maple Leafs losing does help a little bit. It, it increased the recovery time. Well, I tell you what, and let's let's get into it because all four series are over. Only one went to seven. Most of them were done after five or six. It was a very lackluster second round for all the anticipation, all the buildup leading into the playoffs. How it's going to be an epic playoff round. The first round, there were so many good matchups. The second round, we had some good matchups. It didn't really pan out. Most of the games were over by the second period. There wasn't many overtime games. There might have been one or two. There wasn't many tight games. It's been such a strange playoffs in that regard where it's just blowout after blowout after blowout after it's blowout right? It's been so bizarre. We've documented it here. And that held fast this weekend where we went into the weekend. Every series was still in play and it was bingo, bango, bongo, Oilers, Leafs, Jersey Devils. And now last night, the Seattle Kraken, just one after the other toppling and really going down with a whimper, not even much of a fight, which was very disappointing. Let's start with the game last night out West, the only series that went to seven games. The only series that was marginally competitive going into game five, six, seven, who who you didn't know who was going to win. I think with the other series, you had a good indication based on the first four games. Okay, this team is definitively better. The Florida Panthers were better than the Leafs. The Vegas Golden Knights had shown they were better if they can just stay out of the box. And the Hurricanes were the better team than the New Jersey Devils. This was the only series where going into game five, I had no idea. I really didn't. It could have went either way. Jared Ottinger was struggling. Seattle was doing what Seattle does. Everybody was producing. Dallas was stumbling at times. Well, lo and behold, Dallas righted the ship. They get the big win last night, 2-1 to over the Seattle Kraken. Seattle scored with 30 seconds left. Bjorkstrand gets a goal with an empty net, but they couldn't figure out. They couldn't figure out Jared Ottinger. He looked great. What's that? Jake Ottinger. Is that his brother? Why do I mess up names all the time? I'm trying to do a professional show, and it's just beyond me. I don't understand why I do this. That's one of the recurring ones. You've said Jared Ottinger a lot over the years. Why? I don't know. I I don't. I used to play with a Jake Obermeyer, if that means anything. Anyways, Seattle's out. Out of all the teams that lost out in the second round, I feel like this one feels good. Seattle had a great year. They overexceeded expectations. I feel like when you look at their roster, unlike the other teams, there's no real reason why they lost. You know what I mean? There was no, okay, those guys didn't perform. That's why we lost. Our defense played bad. That's why we lost. Our goalie couldn't save anything. That's why we lost. Seattle played great. 
They just were outmatched. They came up against a team who was more talented. And that's all there is to it. And that's okay. You can hang your hat on that. I was in a poker game on Friday night. I lost. I, I came fifth out of 20-some guys. Driving home, I said, you know what? I played fine. You, you, I can be satisfied. I didn't make many mistakes. I just lost to a better hand. It is what it is. I got my money in at the right right spot, and I lost. Okay, fine. I think the Seattle Kraken can have that kind of feeling. Flying back to Seattle, you can go out. You can get, you know, have a, have a good time. Whoop it up because you had a good season. You overexceeded expectations. You played fantastic in the playoffs. And in my eyes, I don't think they had a weakness on this on this roster. I think the defense played really, really well. All of the forwards played really, really well. And Philip Grubauer kind of resurrected his career and reverted back to the goaltender that he was in Colorado, where everybody got so excited when he went to the Seattle in the first place in their expansion draft two years ago. I, I, I think this is a good feeling for Seattle. Don't you think, Tim, going into the offseason where you can look back and say, you know what? We played really well. Maybe we reload. We get a couple more horses in the barn who can put some points on the board. But going forward, I like this team. I, I think they should you know, be proud of what they did this year. Yeah, I mean, they went further than anyone thought they'd go. And we learned a lot about how good this kid like Beniers is and how good McCann was when he was waiting for a chance to get those top line minutes and how good Bjorkstrand was. And like a lot of players like that, Vince Dunn, you know, and then even in game six, I mean, it, it shows how there's something to be said for depth, for not having big contracts, for not being saddled by, by big players with big expectations. When you have depth, when you can roll four lines, you can do lots of cool things. And game six is a great example of it. When they beat uh, Dallas six to three, they had 11 different players with a point. In game four, they had 12 different players, you know? So it's just really, really cool. They ran into a better team. I mean, you were playing with house money at that time. So yeah, I think you nailed it. They had plenty to be proud of and you come back next season. And, and I think, you know, you can build on this, whether or not you reach the final four or final eight again, this is a great step forward for this organization. Yeah. They got a bunch of draft picks coming up in this round's draft, this season's draft. They got three second rounders. They got their own first rounder. So they should be looking okay. They have some money to spend in the off season. They have some good contracts that are locked up long-term and Jaden Schwartz, Bjorkstrand, Eberly, as crazy as that sounds, that's a good contract. You got Jared McCann, Yanni Gord. All of these guys are locked up with reasonable numbers for a decent term. I don't mind where the Seattle Kraken are. I'd like to see them go out and, like I said, swing for the fences and try to bring in a, a high-end guy, but maybe they can't. Maybe there's not that guy out there on the market this offseason. We'll see how it progresses, but good for them. Very good for them. What does it say about the Dallas Stars? Moving on to them. They win, finally, the second-round matchup where I think everybody, all the pundits, ourselves included, thought they should have won this earlier. They finally eke it out in Game 7. Where do you see this team going forward? Joe Pavelski comes back after that bad injury in the first round, getting hit by Matt Dumba. Clean hit, but just zonked out. I think it was after game one. He comes back. He has been arguably their best player. Scoring at will. Everything's working for that line now. Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, they're playing fantastic. Max Domi has been a revelation. Arguably the best pickup at the deadline so far out of all the teams. He's been great. Where does this team end off? You're, you're, you have question marks in goaltending. Ottinger has not played great. He's been suspect. The defense has played okay. You played a very hard team to play against in the Seattle Kraken. But do you like where the stars are projected, Tim? They're back in the semifinals in the Western Conference. They were there a few years ago. Is there anything different from that year to this year where you can say, you know what, these guys might win the Stanley Cup because they're playing Vegas Golden Knights. They're very familiar with the Knights. 
What do you think is going to happen with Dallas here moving forward? I, it does feel a little bit different. I mean, you've got like guys like Pavelski playing at a, maybe the highest level he's, he's ever played at, and, and certainly in this playoff run. And you have Jason Robertson, Miro Heiskins, another name. And the minutes that he's logging after taking that puck to the face, I have it in front of me in the last in this seven games in the series. 34 54 28-51, 31-02, 25-59, 28-57, 31-48. Like, he's an absolute horse out there. And that's what you need. We talked about this. Like, every team that's won the Stanley Cup in the last few years has had that 1A go-to defenseman who'd log in those minutes. And right now, for them, it's Miro Heiskanen. It's not going to be an easy matchup for Vegas. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But I really like Dallas's chances there. Yeah, they they have the ingredients you need to win. They have a couple big horses, like you said, on the back end. Ryan Suter sort of resurrecting his career with the Dallas Stars. Wouldn't you say? Kind of falling out of favor with the Minnesota Wild. Gets bought out. Doesn't know where he's going to go. A shocker to land in Dallas. He's been playing decent. He's been playing that nice kind of Robin to Miro Heiskanen's Batman. Just saying, you know what, kid? Go for it. Jump up in the play. I got you. They play a ton of minutes, and they're playing really, really good. So I don't I, I I don't know if I trust her back end fully as it stands right now. I like I like Issa Lindell, but we'll see moving forward. They do have depth. They do have scoring. I do like the Dallas Stars, but I don't want to, you know, we'll, we'll break into the matchups like you said tomorrow. But I think, yeah, they do seem like a different team than they were two years ago. Something just seems different with this team. I don't know if it's Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Wyatt Johnson. There's a lot of new faces or same faces that are just better or different than they were two years ago. Well, you can't forget Rupe Hints either. 19 points in 10 or 11 games, I think. So, yeah, he's been pretty special, too. They've been playing strong. All right, let's transition over. So let's, let's save. Let's save the Canadian teams to the end because it's just there's a lot to break into there. Your team, pretty much your pen pals, Jack Hughes, and now his brother, Luke Hughes. Do you have all three of them on a text thread? Jack, Quinn, and Luke now? Yep, they're parents too, all of us. Weird. Now that, I think you took it too far. (laughs) Anyways, the New Jersey Devils, everybody's favorite again. You know, everybody had them sweep in the New York Islanders. Everybody thought that was going to be an easy get, or the Rangers, excuse me, everybody thought that was going to be an easy get by. They line up versus the Carolina Hurricanes undermanned, missing Tuevo Teravinen, missing Svechnikov. Everybody knows about Peter or uh, Pacioretty gone at the beginning of the season. Overmatched. Outskilled, even? Wasn't even a close series. Carolina dispatches them early. What do you make of this Devils team? It was, it was a very lackluster second round for them. After a big, dramatic Game 7 win versus the New York Rangers, you figured they would have parlayed that into a better second round team. What happened to your boys? Yeah, like they they ran into a bigger team, a better team, a stronger team. And so that's kind of the the message for them this offseason is to get bigger, get tougher, add some uh, physicality, add some size. But this is the great run for a team, again, not similar to the cracking, but for different reasons. No one thought the Devils were this close to contending before the year started. You know, like we talked about Ottawa and Detroit and Buffalo and all these franchises moving forward. And, and we kind of skipped over the Devils the last couple of years. And here they are reaching the final eight and, and winning or coming in second in their in their division. Like they had a great run and no one thought that they were this close. I think um, the, the big question for them, we'll cover more probably this summer, but they have a lot of expiring contracts, a lot of questions going forward. Jesper Bratt, Timo Meyer, they'll probably only be, be able to bring back one of those guys. Which one do you bring back? Not to mention Tatar, Miles Woods, Halla, McLeod, Severson, and Graves on the back end. 
all expiring contracts, just about half of the ones they have. So this could look like a very different team um, next year. So it'll be interesting to see which ones they bring back and which one they let go. See, I disagree. I feel like this is a failed season for them. They were oh, the, John, Tim, no one thought they were going to be a contender. At the Nobody. beginning of this season, but as the season progressed, they're third place in the NHL. They're the third best team. They went the Bruins, who had the most points in NHL history, and then they just sucked in the playoffs and get beaten the first round by the Florida Panthers. Carolina Hurricanes, and they're who one they point, lost to one point behind the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina's missing Tuevo Teravinen and Andre Svechnikov. They're arguably two of their top four players. This is a massive letdown for the New Jersey Devils. They went out and nailed the trade deadline, getting the biggest asset in Timo Meyer. This was it. This has to be a huge letdown for the New Jersey Devils. I don't know how you can paint this into a rosy picture and say, oh, it was great. Yes, I know their expectations weren't that good to start the season, but then they progressed to rattle off like 18 wins in their first 22 games, and they were scoring at will, and everybody's just lauding them. Then they had a little, you know, downward couple weeks, but then they figured it out near the end of the year, and everybody was all in on the Devils. I don't know how you can look at this as a successful, successful season going into the offseason if you're the New Jersey Devils. Your team won't be better next year. You mentioned it with all the cap crunch they're going to be under. They're going to have to lose some players. This was this was their year. They went all in at the deadline. So this is a failed season, especially to lose the way that they lost. It, it's it's not good. It's not good enough for the, if you're the New Jersey Devils. They didn't get production from their top guys. Nico Hershire scored one goal. In 12 games, one goal, not good enough. Andre Pilat gets three. Jesper Bratt, one. It's not good enough. And I'm sorry, they were a fun team in the regular season. They were flying all over the ice. Their power play was electric. They were a young team who just scored at will. They, they, it didn't translate into playoff success. So this is a failure. Oh, John. An abject failure. How is it not? What's the goal? Is the goal to get to the second? Are we the Toronto Maple Leafs? Is the goal to get to the second round? The goal was to progress forward as an organization, and they did that. They're not going to get worse next year. They're going to get better, John. I know they have some contracts that they got to figure out, but they also are going to have a lot of room to do it because of all those expiring contracts. So they can pick and choose which guys they want to bring back. Jack Hughes done the contract for eight more years at $8 million. That's He's going to be worth double that at some point during that contract, the way the cap will keep going up. And so, yeah, this team is not going to get worse. They're going to get better. They're going to figure some things out. they got to add some pieces. They have some questions in goaltending, but this is a team that this they've arrived. Like This is the beginning of, of the next era for the Devils, not, not a blip on the radar. My, yeah, they'll be good, but you they've arrived, that, John. Yeah, I guess they, they, they have a good core. I'll give you that. Hearshire is good. Hughes is good. Dougie Hamilton's a stud. John Marino, by the way, at 4.4 for the next four years. That, that's a fantastic contract. He, play, he played lights out. He was making plays with the puck that were just out of this world. He, he played very well. But I, I just, I'm not sold on, on the New Jersey Devils just yet. This is a very important offseason for them. I don't know. I don't know much about Tom Fitzgerald, the GM, how he's going to work it. you, you got to keep Jesper Brad. You, you have to keep him on contract. Timo Meyer, you gave up so much for him. You have to keep him. Those two guys are going to want $8 million a piece. So that just eats up all your cap space right there. So it, it, it's going to be tricky. Do you really want four guys? Hughes, Hearshire, Brat, and Timo Meyer? Are those your four? 
you know, you say you got out muscled, you got out physical physicality, the physical game. You, you couldn't keep up with it. Timo Meyer was your guy. He just got dummied. Do you really want to re-sign him? You kind of have to. Eric Hollow was great. He's a UFA. How much is he going to cost? This was their best team on paper. You're not getting better than it is right now with Brad Tatar, Wood, Meyer, Halla. The, these guys are very good. You, you can't keep all of them. You can maybe keep two or three of them, maybe. But then that's going to sacrifice your third and fourth line. It's going to trickle down to the defense. Are you going to keep Damon Severson, Ryan Graves, friend of the show? Those two guys are going to want raises. You know what I mean? This is their time to cash in. They're both entering UFA for the first time. It's it's going to be an important offseason for them. And is your goaltender Vita Vanacek? He, he left a lot of questions. Akira Schmid had to come in and spell him because he was just letting pucks in left and right. Who's your goaltender next year, Tim, if you're the Devils? Yeah, it's probably those two, Vanacek and Schmid. Yeah. but What about yeah, you let Mackenzie Blackwood go? I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet, but he's got an expiring contract too, so probably. Yeah, it's there's a lot of moving parts here. The Devils, they have the pieces. It's a very important offseason for them. It's, it's very rare where you get a team that's a third team in the NHL. 112 points, a fantastic season. And you look at their cap situation. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen guys that could potentially be gone. Over half of the team. And we're not talking fourth line guys. We're talking first and second line guys, first D pairing, second D pairing type players. All and that aside. Are UFAs too, not even RFAs. Yeah. Like it's it's a big off season, but all things aside, it's a failed season in my <sighs> eyes for the for the Devils. I don't know how you can just chalk this up as a success. You're the third team going into the playoffs, and you're bounced in the second round, and you didn't even get to seven games. What they lose in six or five? Six, but you lose you lose to the team that beats you in the regular season. Like it's it's not. A, I mean, this is exactly what you said. This is this. You can hang your hat on that. Like that's that's like something that makes sense to me. You know. But a team that's missing two of its top five players. You're, you're missing only, your your best player too. I don't. I didn't see Timo Meyer that whole playoff run. I don't know where he was. He was out there. <laughs> they they were a fully healthy team. Yeah. They were they were. Everybody was on board. There was nobody missing. But then you look at the Carolina Hurricanes and who they're missing. They're missing everybody, Tim. They're missing a lot. Andre Kasha, Jake Gardner, like all of their top guys are missing. So I don't know. It, it was fun while it's lasted. Maybe this is good for them. They gain a little experience. Maybe they figure out what they need to build on. I don't think it's getting bigger. I don't think that's the answer. Your team is predicated and built upon speed, creativity, and puck movement. I don't think you transition into a team that's just bigger and stronger just because you got outmuscled by a Carolina Hurricanes team. I think that's the that's a bad route to go. You lean into your strength. Well, we'll see. Moving on. Oh, Canada, my Canada. No more Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup finals. Once again, for the 30th year in a row, there will not be a Stanley Cup champion north of the border. I think the last cup champion was 1994, the Montreal Canadiens. That's a long drought, baby. We thought we had a chance this year. There were some good teams north of the border. Winnipeg had a quick flash in the pan there. They're gone. Edmonton Oilers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Vancouver, Ottawa. Where are you? Where is everybody? Calgary. It was a bad year for Canadian teams, and we finally got rid of them all. Where do you want to start, Tim? Toronto or Edmonton? Let's start with Edmonton, just because I think Toronto will take uh, a little bit more time. 
Well, we'll see. I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. We've talked to them about them at length, but it's just they're they're just very interesting. Just how the team's built. But yes, Edmonton Oilers. They lose to the Vegas Golden Knights in game six. At home. Prime time, Sunday. Let's just get this out of the way. Gary Bettman's an idiot. If you want to market the game, you have stars galore on these rosters. You got Eichel, you got Stone. You got McDavid. You got Dreinsidel. You have the best players on the planet. What else is Sunday? Nothing. There's one basketball game at 3.30. That's it. There's nothing else going on. There's no baseball. There's no football. There's no anything. Let's make it work, NHL. Get out of your own way. Figure it out. Put the game at 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern time. Millions of viewers. Two big markets going at it. It's a fantastic time to just grow the game. What does dumb, dumb Bettman do? 10 p.m. Eastern time. Everybody, everybody's talking. You're an idiot. That's all it is. That, that, that's all I have to say about Gary Batman. I don't know how much he has to say in this. Maybe he should say a little more or have a little more input. Because if he's just passing the buck to somebody else, oh, it's, you know, this, this and that. It's not my choice. Make it your choice. Grow the game. Get it on prime time. Get it on ESPN. Not ESPN Plus. Not ESPN 2 not TNT, not these other channels. Get it on ESPN. Get it at 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern time and grow the game. You have not grown the game since you've become a commissioner. You suck. All right. Anything else on that? No, let's talk about the game. What's there, There's a lot to talk about here. It was Edmonton's chance to show up, force a game seven. And in my eyes, it it's it's different than the Leafs. It's different than other teams because it's it's not the top guys for the Oilers who didn't produce. You know, you, you watch the games, and I and I know we talked about this earlier this season. Why aren't they getting any you know Heat, Dryden, and McDavid? They played their tails off. Those two guys. I, I don't fault them. They they were flying all over the ice. They play a ton of minutes. They do whatever they can to win. And it just can't, at the end of the day, fall on two guys. The bottom six were fantastic. They were flying all over the ice. They were creating chances. It was fun to watch those guys. The Derek Ryan McLeod Fogel line was arguably their best line. You know who it falls on in my eyes? It's the middle tier guys. It's the Hymans, the Canes, the Nuge, the Yamamotos. This one falls on them. I think they played atrocious. In this whole series, those guys need to either get traded. I don't know. They did. They they did not show up. It's sad to see Edmonton go down this way because for years we've been stressing. We need some depth. We need some supplemental scoring. We need a third and fourth line. We need some defense. We need this. We need that. They have that now. McLeod, Ryan and Fogle is a fantastic line. Bukestead, Janmark and Costin, although they just got worked by the stone line. After every power play, they would throw Buke set out and Stone would score every time. So that that's an issue. All that aside, that's a good fourth line. The defense is the best they've had there, I think, since we've been doing this podcast. Cody CC stinks. He's always stunk. They got to get rid of him this offseason. Bouchard is a bona fide 1A guy. Matias Atcombe is a shutdown defenseman that they've always wanted. Darnell Nurse is Darnell Nurse. He's very, very good. And their 5-6 are good. Vinny DeHarnay and Brent Kulak. Brent Kulak played fantastic. 
I thought he had a great playoffs. All that aside, they just got beat by a better team. Much like the Kraken losing to the Dallas Stars, I feel like Vegas was just better across the board. Everybody produced for the Vegas Golden Knights. Marsha so stepped up. Carlson stepped up. Riley Smith stepped up. Those are all their second-tier guys. They still got production from Eichel. They still got production from Stone and Stevenson. Those are their top guys. The difference in this series was Yamamoto, Hyman, Nujic Hopkins, and Kane did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And when you're playing a team like the Vegas Golden Knights, who doesn't really have a weakness, Tim, everybody has to be pulling the rope. Everybody. And yeah, if I'm Evander Kane, I can face wash. I can do this. I can do that. It's fun. But at the end of the day, you you can't punch out with five points in the playoffs in 12 games. When your line mates getting 20 and you're playing with the best player on the planet, five points going in and face washing somebody and blowing a kiss and all that stuff. It's, it's fun. You're not going to win any Stanley cups doing that. So it, it, it was not good enough for those mid tier guys. It has to change. Yamamoto four points, Tim, four points. The Nuge, 11. He had a ton in the first round. Not much in the second round. The guy had 105 points this season. Has to be better. Hyman, got to be better. Same situation. Had a bunch of points in the first round. Nothing in the second round. When it gets to this stage, when there's eight teams left, and you're playing an elite team like the Knights, you know, you got you got to beat the best to get through them to get to the cup. And they didn't do it. They They were not the best team. They had the ability to, but they, they just, they blew it five on five. Their power play was out of this world. If your power play is clicking at over 50%, you should win the series. Special teams are so important in the playoffs. And the Oilers nailed that. And they just, they they could not put it together five on five. That's what I want to talk about that for a minute. Uh, giving Vegas credit for discipline. So you you got the chance to close out the series. And you know you're playing one of the best power plays, if not the best power play of all time. 32.4% in the regular season. 46.2% in the playoffs. Just lights out power play. Almost an automatic goal. And in game six, seven goals scored for both teams. All of them are even strength. Vegas didn't give them a single opportunity on the power play. And held them to just two goals and five on five. That's exactly what you needed to. You have to give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah. You know, you know your weakness, you know their strength, and you don't don't play into it. So if if I'm the Vegas coach, if I'm uh gosh, what's his name again? Bruce Cassidy, I'm like, don't give them any power plays if we can. Stay out of the muck. Just play our game. We know if it's five on five, we'll beat them. And that's what they did. They took down the two best players on the planet. McDavid leads the playoffs in points. Dryden Settles right behind him with 18. Those two guys are lights out. I questioned them last year in the playoffs. I'm not going to do it anymore. They produce that guy. They, those guys did anything they could to win. And it's just, you need more than two guys. It's a 20 man game. And if you don't have all 20 guys playing, especially guys who you want and need to produce Kane, Hyman, Yamamoto, Hopkins, you're not going to win. And then, and then there's Stuart Skinner. And they go out, they get Jack Campbell, the big off season get that guy's, he's going to be our answer. We have Mike Smith last year. Things weren't going so well. You got the the rookie, maybe get some net time, Stuart Skinner. He looked over his head. He he did not look good. He, he doesn't know how to play the puck. That was the issue for the first goal. He rims it around the boards, gets punched, punched out to Riley Smith. He scores. He's not tracking the puck. Rebounds are going everywhere. 
the Oilers don't know how to clear the front of the net for some reason. Every single goal that was scored in front of the net, it was just two Vegas guys, three Vegas guys, and there was no Oilers to be found. But is Stuart Skinner the answer? I don't know. Jack Campbell's locked up for a few more years. No one's going to take that contract. It's it's a very interesting situation in net for them. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a letdown because this is a Stanley Cup caliber team. It really is. They have all the pieces. And and no no fault on the GM. You know, Ken Holland, for as much as flack as we give him throughout the years, you know, he's bad contracts this, he's not bringing in star players, this and that. He assembled a really good team. He made some good trades at the deadline, bringing in Matias Ekholm, bringing in Warren Fogle, bringing in Kim Costin, bringing in Nick Bukestad. Those are guys he brought in, and they all played fairly well. It's the middle-tier guys, the $5 million guys, Hyman, Hopkins, Kane. I don't know how you're going to get rid of those guys, but it's too bad. It would have been fun to see them in the Western Conference Finals, but the better team won. Vegas was disciplined. Everybody was flying. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad because this, again, how do they get better? Derek Ryan's going to want a big raise. Janmark's going to want a big raise. But the money's not there. there. There's no money to be had next year. You got to figure out the goaltending situation. You have seven and a half million tied up between these two guys. Is Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner the answer? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. What did you think about the Oilers, Tim? Well, I want to talk about uh, Drysaddle for a second because he had four goals in game one, the only four goals first team, two goals in game two, and then over the remaining four games, he had zero goals and was one assist. Now, I think everything you said is fair. You can't you can't knock Drysaddle and give him a hard time when he was the leading goal scorer and second in points in the playoffs, but probably the second year in a row. He's incredible. But I think you can give Vegas credit for shutting him down and, yeah. and 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 not only shutting him down, but like I said, staying staying out of the box, keeping him out of the play, frustrating him. He, when he spoke after the game, I really liked this press conference. He called it a failure. He said, it feels like I just wasted a year like this is I don't I forget what else he said, but I don't want to put words in his mouth. But he said those those lines. And so it's such a he's such an emotional player. And the. <sighs> I don't know. I, I see a lot of comparisons. Some people are saying you can't compare McDavid and Dreisaitl to uh, Crosby and Malkin or a Kane and Taze because the playoff success isn't there. And I, I get that you they produce and you two guys can only do so much. But at the same time, two guys have done much more than that before in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So what do you do? What do you do if you're this? I wouldn't want that GM job. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it, it's bizarre when you look at these guys' careers. <laughs> they've been in the league for eight years. You know, Drinsettle's been in the league for nine years. They're not getting any younger. McDavid's going to be 27 next year. Drinsettle's going to be 28. These are the prime of the, these guys' career. So if I'm them, I'm I'm upset too. Like, we wasted a year. And this was a the best chance that they had to win the cup. This was the best team that they've assembled. This is the the most depth that they've had. This is the best defense that they've had. Sadly enough, this is the best goaltending that they've gotten. And they still can't get out of the second round, Tim. That they can't get out of the second round. It's an issue. I don't think it's as dire as another Canadian team. They're they they do not have to blow this team up. And we'll break into that maybe another show in the offseason, but yeah, if if I'm those two guys, I'm going home. I'm like, gosh, what do we got to do? Like, what? It's it's not a good feeling. And yeah, he was bottled up 
Did you see how Vegas played him? They didn't give him any room. Anytime we touched a puck, they had a guy going right towards him. It was like a shadow type game. It was like, just don't let him beat us and we'll win. And that's what they did. It was, it was a good strategy. Cassidy's a great coach. He really, really is a good coach. He adjusted in-game adjustments, between-game adjustments, and he just, he was a very, very, very good coach. He out-coached. So I know Jay Woodcroft, friend of mine. He was my coach in San Jose. He out-coached him. He, he really did. I, th- I think there should have been more adjustments made to Edmonton's roster makeup. Maybe play the Ryan line, as crazy as that sounds, a little more. They're the de facto second line now, how they played in this second-round series. They played fantastic. So... I don't know. The Oilers are in a good spot, but yeah, they, they should be upset. It's it's a far cry from who said, uh, was it Giannis? You know, it's it's a process. It's not a failure. It's not a failure. Everything's fine. It's like, no, you lost. This is a failure. And you're going to be 27 and 28 years old next year. You're two top players in the world, and you're losing in the second round. Game six. So one other thing. I was glad they lost. And there's a singular reason for that. It's because the Oiler fans came up with the dumbest slogan I've ever heard in my life. And I, and it came, it came to me when I was talking with our editor, Aaron here, he edits all the shows. He's fantastic. He gets clips for us. He does a lot of work for us. He's a big Oilers fan. And he made a comment to Tim and Tim just like a parrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. That sounds good. He parroted it right back to Aaron. It was Goyle. Goyle. That's a, it's just go oil, go oil, go oil. No, it's not. Yeah, it's so they combined the two O's and they just made it one goil, one word goil. It's just dumb. I feel like I feel like maybe you don't understand it. It's confusing to you. And so it's just lost on you somehow. No, I get it. What's uh, <laughs> what do you think of immediately when you hear the word goil? You think of a boil. I think of the character from Harry Potter, goil. There was a character from Harry Potter named Goyle. Yeah, spelled differently, but yeah. Which one was he? He was one of Malfoy's like little punk buddies, crabbing Goyle. Gosh. Slytherin man, typical. Wow, that explains a lot. Just about you as a whole, but that's a whole other <laughs> ball of wax. Don't um, act like you're better than Harry Potter all of a sudden. You love Lord of the Rings. So. No, no, no. I know Harry Potter. I know Draco Malfoy. I know um what's the guy's name who you can't say it. You can't don't say it. That's the point. Voldemort. I John. know him, but I don't know the side characters' last names. That's his only name. It's what he goes by. Yeah, but I don't know his name. I he's he's not important to this the show. I know okay. Ron Weasley. I know <laughs> those people, but like he's a secondary character to a secondary character almost. And you know, his name Goyle, but it's just like, I think Edmonton can do better. Goyle is not it. It's, it's really bad. So Aaron and Tim were doing this and I said, stop, please. It's dumb. I don't know what my exact words were, but I was like, just never again. You guys are nerds. So yeah, we, we can do better Edmonton, but yeah, I don't like it. All right. The last one on the docket here. The Toronto Maple Leafs go down, and Tim's happy because it, it validates the Bruins losing in, in seven to the Florida Panthers. It kind of gives him some cachet in the offseason. Well, they beat the Leafs, too. The Leafs were very good, you know, this regular season. They're always good, and they beat them, too. Are the 
Are the Florida Panthers real? They are. They beat the Bruins. They beat the Leafs. But at the end of the day, did Florida win or did Toronto lose Tim? Give your synopsis of this series. Did Florida get Toronto's best? Did Toronto, you know, put their best foot forward in this series? No, but I don't think, I think it's both. And I know that this sounds like a, a vanilla answer, but Florida plays in such a way that it totally frustrates and disrupts Toronto style of play, just like it did with Boston. It's in your face. It's the relentless forechecking. It's like the neutral zone. You clog it up. You can't get anything going. They're very fast breaking out of their own zone. And that's the exact style of play that that is perfect for beating Toronto. It won't be as effective against Carolina. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But I, I mean, I, I think you have to give them credit while also being very critical of Toronto. The guys, the right players didn't show up. Austin Matthews, zero goals. Tavares, zero goals. Mitch Marner, one goal. When it matters most, the first time, all the jokes are like, Austin Matthews didn't know there was a second round. He's never seen it before, so he didn't know he had to be there. You know, like, it's it, it's both. It's both. And, and there's a lot of very fair criticism to be said about Toronto right now. Yeah, where do you start? I, I, I just think we've documented it. Up and down. I I don't want to beat the dead horse. It's it's the big guys. It's their fault. And it just it happened again in game five. They did not get production from their top guys. Like where are they? Honestly. How many goals did Austin Matthews get in the second round, Tim? Zero. What about John Tavares? How many did he get? Zero. Just said it. Mitch Marner? One. Morgan Riley got, I think, two. And he's a defenseman who doesn't score. Your defenseman who doesn't score gets more goals than Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. A combined 33 and change million dollars. That's one goal between 33 million dollars. It's just, it's not going to cut. I'm sorry. Everybody knows it. There needs to be a change. I don't want to dwell on it too much. I think those guys should be ashamed of themselves. What's what's really incredible, what are their quotes at the end of the year when asked if they want to stay in Toronto, Tim? Because it's, it's just funny. What did they all say? They all said basically the same thing. Here's Morgan Riley. I love these guys. I don't want anything to change. Matthews, my intention is to be here. Mitch Marner, I want to continue play, to play for this team. Nylander, I love it here. I don't want to be anywhere else. I see no problems, John. That sounds like a good thing to me. What could possibly go wrong with that? Uh, <laughs> um, I wish I was a reporter in that room. And I would ask, why, why do you deserve to be here instead of do you want to be here? I know you want to be here. Toronto's a great city for a young kid. You're making almost $12 million. You have no accountability whatsoever. You can do anything you want. And no one's going to tell you that you did something bad ever, ever. Phil Kessel must just be looking at these guys. Dion Phaneuf must be looking at this trio and going, how are they getting a pass? Right? Am I wrong? Or no, is it still point. Toronto? Yeah. And I know they get a little criticism. I get it. The papers, oh, they need to play better. They need to play better. It's a far cry from watching the interviews with Phaneuf and Lupul 
and Kessel and the top end guys from Toronto during those years, 15 years ago, every single interview after every single practice and game was just, why aren't you playing better? What's wrong with you? What's going on? It wasn't, it wasn't the other way around. What can we do for you? What do you guys need? Is everything okay? Are you guys okay? Do you need anything? It was always, why aren't you doing better? What's wrong? All of a sudden, these guys are untouchable. They're Teflon Dons. I don't know why we're asking them if they want to stay. I don't care if they want to stay. My question is, why should we keep you here? What have you done for us? Because I look around the league. If you lose seven years in a row, seven in the playoffs, first round, I'll give you one. You won one game in the second round. If that happens seven years in a row, you're dead to me in the hockey world. I don't know why everybody's just glitz and glamour, rose-colored glasses with these guys. Johnny Tavares has never won anything. Neither has Matthews and Marner. You go out, you get Ryan freaking O'Reilly. You know what I mean? Ryan O'Reilly. You get him. You get Sam Laffrey. You get Jake McCabe. And you can't win two games in the second round, you losers? The question should be, why should we keep you here and pay you this money when you don't do a thing? You don't do anything. Nothing. Unlike the Edmonton Oilers, who I think they can rebuild that team. Like I said last year, like I said last week, I'm going to say it again. Scorched Earth. Shanny. uh, Dubas. Keith. Gone. All three of them. If I'm the president. Take care. Comb your hair. Gone. On this team right now, it's going to be hard. You can't get rid of Tavares. You don't want to get rid of Riley because he's good. Willie Nylander's got a great contract. He's making less than $7 million next year. He might be an asset where you can flip him. You get rid of Matthews and you get rid of Marner. Everybody must go. Get rid of them all. I don't care. Start again. This is the best team they're going to have. I said it about the Devils. I'm saying it about the Leafs. How does this team get better next year? How? They got fantastic goaltending from Elias Samsonov. Fantastic goaltending. Their defense played okay. They have a boner for Justin Hall for some reason. That guy plays more minutes than anybody on that back end. I don't know why. He's a, he's a Keefe guy. He's a Dubas guy. He has no business being on this back end, let alone in the top four, let alone playing the most minutes like he did in game four. It's insane that he plays the most minutes on a back end with Riley, Brody, McCabe. It, it, it doesn't, it bon- it's bonkers. How do you make this team better, Tim? With, with all these contracts, you have a bunch of UFAs. You got Kerfoot, you got O'Reilly, you got Camp, you got Achari, you got Bunting, you got Aston Reese. He's not going to be back, but you have all these guys who are UFAs who are going to want raises. Kerfoot's going to want a raise. Bunting's going to want a big raise. He only makes 950. You think Ryan O'Reilly's coming back? I don't think so. David Camp, Noel Achari, all these guys are going to want more money. Justin Hall, that guy better get a demotion. I I can't stand these two. It's Marners and Matthews. I'm sure they're cool guys. They're hip. But we got, we got earrings. We're cool. You know, we wear fun stuff to the rink. We're cool. We're cool. You're just a bunch of losers. That's all it is. 
You care too much about whatever other people think about you. You don't care enough about on the ice winning games. You just don't. You think Matthew Kuchuk cares about what his outfit's going to look like before the game? You think he's laying it out? You think he's switching out socks, an accessory? Should I wear a hat today? Oh, maybe I should wear, should I wear a little scarf around my neck? Oh, maybe I should have a tassel bracelet. Maybe I should wear a buckle. Which buckle on my belt should I wear? They're just, they're just not, they're not it. You got to get rid of them. Or you pay him $17 million a year. Isn't it funny how like the flashy guys when you were playing that love fashion and loved like even attention, like at the most wearing like a flashy piece of jewelry or like a funky tie, you know, like or, or maybe have like a fancy handsy uh handbag or something, but not like they're not wearing wide brimmed hats with purple suits and ascoffs and scarves and whatever. Um going back to Matthews for a second, I want I think there's a lot to be said about that though. I know because <laughs> it, it, it shows you're more important when you show up to the game and you want the cameras all on you, you want it all about you. You want the attention you want. You want that. Whereas I think I, I've played with superstars, superstars, and they don't want that. They want to get into the rink unassumed, unassumingly and get to work. Patty Kane never did that. Johnny Taves never did that. Marion Gabrick never did that. Henrik Lundqvist didn't do that. They got to work. They got to the rink. They're getting their stuff done. They're not, okay, is, is the cameras there? Are they ready? Okay, I'm going to walk in now. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to be on the best dress list. That's not what they care about. Yes, they have a nice suit. Yes, they like to look, they like to look nice, but they, they could care less. It's just an issue these days. Kids care more about themselves than they do about the bigger picture in the team in the Stanley Cup. I'll tell you this, Vegas Golden Knights. Do you think Peter Angelo and Stone and Marcia Stowe you think those guys care about what they look like on the way to the game? Nope. Not one bit. You think McDavid's manicuring his hair before he goes to the rink? So it's perfect. I got a flat iron in that one. So I don't, I don't, I don't like my hair when it, when it flips up a little bit. No. You think Dreinsidel's got, you know, putting on powder on his face so the camera doesn't shine when you get a picture taken. It's insane. I, I, it, I know it's silly for me to say this, but it does mean something. I played with like a, ton of guys who are good and they don't do that duncan keith could care less brent burns shows up in a backpack and camo boot like he he just gets to work nobody cares what you look like play good on the ice and they can't seven years now tim seven years the the comparison to how the media treated Kessel and Fanoff and Loophole and those guys is such a good one. I hadn't really thought about it in that way before, but yeah, they were so brutal to them. And then they never asked, what do you think? What, what do you want to come back here next year? Whatever. But I want to go back to the game for one minute. There's one play at the end, the biggest play of the game, Nick Cousins, overtime goal. Everyone's talking about Gudis's play and, and, Beautiful play for most of it, and maybe the whole thing. I want to hear your take on it. Disrupts the pass, breaks it up the ice, and just takes a beeline from his own zone to the opposing net. Splits the D, drives the traffic, gives Cousins a little bit of room. Hockey play, high IQ, like great, great play. And then he grabs, with a Kerfoot, his stick. And you watch the replay. It's it's very egregious. He grabbed his stick and stopped him from making a play. Should that have been a penalty? You like that the refs had their whistles in their pockets? Should that be reviewable? What was your take on this whole thing? 
It's a fine. It's a hockey play. It's it's what you're taught to do. You take the defenseman's stick as you go to the net. It is like it's hockey one on one. And yeah, the ref can't see. Is Kerfoot playing him? Is his stick there to stop the pass to Gudis? What's going on? It's happening fast. And Cousins snipes it in. It's it's a great play by Gudis. It, it honestly is. Friend of the show, Radko Gudis. Great guy, salty earth. Think he has four kids. Love the guy. Cut from my cloth. What is more glaring to me is Toronto's failed three on two the other the other end of the ice. They have their own opportunity in overtime where it's a three on two and Gudas breaks it up, and he's the first guy up the ice. Where's the effort on the back check? How do you go from having a three on two to giving up a three on two at the blink of a hat, the blink of an eye? It's crazy. And Gudas doing what you're supposed to do. You dish the puck wide and you bust your hump and go to the net. The two Toronto players played it wrong. You're supposed to let Gudis go to the net and you play the two on two. It it was just a failed play all around. Nick Cousins gets a clear path to the net. Yes, that has a little bit to do with Gudis taking the stick of Kerfoot, but it it was played poorly. And he, he snipes. And then afterwards, he screams in Samsonov's face. Everybody's up in arms about this. Oh, he screamed in his face. Who cares? He's excited. It was, it was Hall. Oh, no, Hall. Uh, Wall, the, the goalie. But yeah, Wall, that's right. Um, I'm. Uh, it's a penalty. Like, I'm okay that it wasn't called in the moment because they, they, the refs didn't call many penalties that whole game. And so you don't you don't change the rules in overtime. I get that. But let's not that that goal doesn't happen if he doesn't grab Kerfoot's stick. It's more than just a breakdown like. It, it was the reason that they scored. Now that said, they still beat them in five games. There's nothing to do with the outcome of the series and probably even that game, but it was, it was the reason that, that they scored that game, that goal. Yeah. Oh no, it's a penalty for sure. So it it is what it is, but it's a very subtle play that not a lot of people pick up and it happens every three on two. You know, very rarely does that play get called. Either you tie it up with your own stick. He grabbed it with his hand. It was a penalty but it never gets called. So it's, you're not going to call it in the playoffs, especially after they score. The ref doesn't have the guts to make that call. Not a chance. It was a great play by Radko Gudis. The guy is earning his keep in the NHL. The guy, he played, did you see how fast he got up the ice? He's flying. Torpedo. flying too. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a very, very good play. Moving on to the third round now. Boy, we have four teams left. We're going to break into that tomorrow. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no, I'm looking forward to digging into that tomorrow and what Batman's thinking about these, these four franchises being his final four, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Nobody on earth had had these four teams in the final four. Nobody who with a straight face can tell you that they had Carolina, Florida and Vegas and Dallas. There's, there's nobody with all, especially with the Bruins president's trophy winners set the record in points of over a hundred years. 135 points lapped lapped everybody by 20 points <laughs> it's crazy they get bounced in the first round unbelievable all right everybody all that aside thank you for having us thank you for showing up tim just left the chat because he's a little bitter he's obviously still not over it so we're gonna have to have you know take our time with him and kind of nurse him back to full strength because he's still he's still He's still not there yet. But all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I hope you had a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 